It's time for faith and life to connect. I first go before God, working on who and what I am before Him and what He's calling me to be as a husband. Where our Christian walk meets our day-to-day life. Dealing with that baggage can mean anything from delaying the marriage to dealing with the baggage. For sure. And where it's okay to laugh a little. Meaningless days, I look at. <laughs> I'm looking at meaningless days and live happily with the woman you love, and I'm trying to figure out how they wind up in the same set. <laughs> We're not saying that the marriage is meaningless. Heaven forbid we say. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for clarifying that. This is The Session with Tom Russell from Heritage Christian Counseling Ministries. What triggers your potential spouse? And that you guys both agree, yeah, they are triggers, and it is, as we grow, something we have to work through. But we're going to give you sort of the grace and space to do that. It is time for Faith and Life to connect here on Rise FM. I am Scott. He is Tom. This is the session. Yes. How are you? Hey, I am in good shape. We, we've had a few trial runs at this this morning. Uh, we well, be in good you shape. know, we do what we can. <laughs> And then we just mutter to ourselves all the way home. All right. So we just remembered 9-11 over the weekend. And, you know, as I thought about that, Tom, it is, and this has been on my mind for a while, that it seems like we're forgetting the lessons. Right. Uh We're forgetting. And then when it struck me that the high school kids at Mansfield Christian were not born on 9-11 yeah, of wow. 2001. They were not here yet. That really hit me, mm-hmm. and I was like, you know what? We need to have a conversation about remembering 9-11. Yeah, we're going to revisit some tough numbers, but I, I, I want to also be able to offer us some hope somehow and just a reminder that the tragedy of a day does not outweigh the hope we have in Christ. For sure. And to just offer that as we have this conversation today. And then we're going to wrap it up by talking about uh, how we talk to our kids mm-hmm. about terrorism or about these hard days that are that are going to come. You know, and I think about my, my grandparents and their parents that had to talk to their kids about December 7th, 1941, about a November day in 1963 when John F. Kennedy was shot. You know, in other days of tragic events over our history, uh, right now these conversations are being had in England as mm-hmm. they mourn the loss of Queen Elizabeth. Yeah. So that that's kind of the genesis of the conversation today. So before we dive in any farther, why don't we take a dive into God's Word, Tom? Well, and Scott, let's do that. It's always good that we start in, in Scripture uh, Psalm thirty four fourteen. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Oh, wouldn't we all be doing better if we sought peace? Yeah, more absolutely. So. And we defined peace and its origins in healthy ways. All right, so let's dive into what we've got here today, Tom. And we're looking at some Pew research where ninety three percent of those thirty and older say they remember exactly where they were September 11th, 2001. By contrast, only 42% of 25-year-olds remember. Where were you? I was on the air. Here in the studio? I was doing a morning show in Columbus at another radio station. Okay. And I I remember it vividly because it was just another morning, and I had a, a TV on behind me that I used just for local news and stuff, and I'd shut it off. Because it was late in the morning show, it was kind of going into wind-down mode. And I get a phone call from my news guy. And he says, Scott, 
you got the TV on? I said, no. He said, turn the TV on. And the first plane had already gone in, and I was sitting there watching it when the second one went in. Wow. I literally jumped out of the chair. Oh, my gosh. And everything changed. Mm-hmm at that moment where were you i was sitting in my recliner in my family room i had had a sore back that day and so i was just taking it easy and i was probably watching either the golf channel or espn or something like that and then you know someone had said had i seen it and i turned it on and just disbelief yeah complete disbelief that's that's sitting there watching it It, it's like this is not this isn't a tv show yeah. This isn't right. a made-for-TV movie. This is real? Yeah. This is not a, a movie that we're watching. This is the real McCoy. Yeah. You know, you look at what happened that day. 2,977 people lost their lives. 441 first responders lost their lives that day. Now, that is more than we lost at Normandy. Wow. On June 6, 1944. It is the greatest loss of emergency responders on a single day in American history. I am so taken back by the first responders. Here are people who, maybe they're firemen, maybe they're they're uh, squad the people. Yeah, the medics. Yeah, headed in, uh, firefighters, and they lost their lives. And you know, I have to wonder with this the uh, smog or the smoke so bad that how many of them basically suffocated, not knowing what was coming. Right. And not knowing, you know, based on what building they were in as to what happened. There's some more research that Pew had done, and they first went in and researched what we as the American people thought about it as soon as September 13th. Uh-huh. And they said a sizable majority of adults, 71%, said they felt depressed. Nearly half had difficulty concentrating, and a third said they had trouble sleeping Right. within those couple of days after the attacks. And that tells me... That there was a lot of, um, based on our previous conversations, like depression right, setting in at that point. They had no control over what was going on and in, in how they felt about it. They, they were like victims because they're experiencing this, but they can't do anything about it. How, how can you change it? So that the, the feeling down and depressed is, is a pretty natural, normal thing. But what we wanted to make sure didn't happen is that it became prolonged and, and they got stuck in it or fixated or frozen in that period of time of feeling depressed. And the ones that I really felt for were the families of all yeah. those first responders. They didn't know who was coming home and who wasn't. Right. All those people that worked in the towers. That's right. And the phone calls that were made out before the, you know, the, especially the folks in the upper stories that couldn't get out. And at that time... Our son was going to school at Gordon College in Boston. So we had gone up to see him play basketball. And we thought, why don't we just go a different route home instead of going west and then south? Let's just go south and go down and see the Trade Center site. Scott, I was amazed when we got there. Here, there were, there, the sidewalks were plywood, just basically laid around. And by then, the building had been leveled. So this would have been February, early February when we were up there. So all the, the debris was gone, but there were plywood sidewalks. And then there were plywood uh, kind of divider standing vertically, like signs, plastered with missing. So-and-so is missing. So-and-so is missing. 
it was like wallpapered. There were some were on top of others. There were so many that were missing. And the police were there keeping watch over it. And to hear them talk, you would think they, they came across as they had more concern for us than we had for them. We, we were caring about them and like, hey, we're fine. How are you doing? We're making it through this. They were not at all showing signs of being victims or they were not mourning. They were caring about the people who were there, not knowing some of those very policemen that we were talking to had loss in their family. It was amazing to see how they had responded. Mm. Yeah, and it's something that has hit us all because out of that we went to war. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, thousands of folks have lost their lives there. Mm-hmm. So now those families are mourning here. Right. You still have the 9-11 families that are mourning. Mm-hmm. And I, I read where uh, the 9-11 museum right there in New York is going to be closed for a time so that the families of the victims can come in and have private time Wow! in the museum and around the site. And still grieving their loss. Yeah. Wow. And, and that yeah. mourning is... Um, Well, we'll talk about that a little bit later on. Uh, Something here, Tom, I saw too from since911.com, and it has resources that you can use with your kids or resources for teachers to use. Uh, Now, I don't know what their political bent is, so you can make that choice for yourself. But the key, the things that that most people seem to respond to was the idea that it came out of the blue. Yeah. Definitely, it, all of a sudden, surprise. And, and so that's what causes the fear moving forward. We were surprised by this. And, well, who's to say it can't happen again? What other intricate plans have they made? Right. And, and, and so. What other loony birds are there out there? Yeah. You know, this is something that's never happened on our soil before. Uh huh. You know, there have been those attacks. That's why a lot of the folks in the Mideast are like, Okay, you got one bombing. That's sad. You're right. We deal with this every day. Uh-huh. Like, you know, so I kind of get their, oh, you finally got yours kind of attitude. Right. But there's a sign. as I say this, I care about those people who have like 24-7 bombing going off like that. I do care about that. But here's what's, what's so vitally important. We live in the United States of America. We have fought to have our freedom and have our protection and have life like maybe nobody in the world has ever had. Why would anybody want to change that? Why would we want to have these new beliefs that are different than what our founding fathers have laid out for us? They gave their lives for us. And just because the history books haven't taught them, they, they, don't, they think they want something different. How far away are we from what some of those 24-7 bombings? Now, that's a little over the top, but that's scary to think about. Right. How far away are we really? So we're kind of thinking back on 9-11 today here on the session, and I know this could be some pretty heavy stuff uh, for us to talk about. But as we kind of turn the page here, Tom, you know, kids today were not alive at 9-11. So they will have seen last weekend coverage Memorial services, maybe your pastor talked about it on Sunday just as a moment of silence or a time of prayer uh, for the families that that are still here. Helping these kids deal with this and talking to children about 
what is terrorism? They are just getting, what does this word mean? Why does uh-huh. this happen? How do we help them cope with it? Right. And I thought it would be important to kind of transition from just, okay, here's the dry facts about 9-11 to, okay, our kids may ask questions, how do we as parents deal with it? Right. So we're going we're gonna to hit some things here from the 9-11 Memorial and Museum. They actually put this together for parents to use or for teachers to use with their students. And we'll get, we'll get through what we can of these today and and we'll just see where the rest of it where the rest of it leads. The first thing they suggest is simply parenting 101. Listen, which is so huge. If we look at scriptures, we're we're to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. James 1:19. What a great formula for relationship. But when you think about some of the children as you were talking, they weren't alive when this happened. For some of us, that would be like trying to appreciate. It would be like us trying to wrap our minds around Pearl Harbor. Right. And we weren't weren't there. But to understand the devastation, that was another surprise attack that people didn't believe that this was really going to happen. Even when it was on radar, I'm not so sure some people believed that they were really coming and going to try and attack the United States. So there was a whole different thought and mindset in, in Pearl Harbor. It wasn't until Kathy and I went to Pearl Harbor and actually went through the Pearl Harbor Museum that we had a, a greater understanding of what happened. That was 1941, and you still, if you went out on the memorial that was over top of where the Arizona was, you would think you were at a funeral. It was silent. Absolutely silent. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So now when we talk about children, they, well, how do they understand something they weren't around for? And, and depending on how old they are, if, if if they are not able to theorize or not able to visualize in their mind, they may have a hard time connecting with it. So we need to just help them, first right. of all, just by listening. The second one is to not avoid the difficult conversation. So parents and caregivers understandably won't want to cause anxiety and, and distress in their children. This often results, Scott, in, in shying away from difficult conversations that we presume will provoke these emotions. It is terrorism itself, though that is upsetting, not the conversations about terrorism. So they're saying that it's not the conversations, it's just the whole fear of terrorism happening. You know what? We have our own version here in the United States to be in this in a high school and not get worked up about the fact somebody come in here with a gun. Mm-hmm. That's terror, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It's a whole yeah, a whole other thing, and that's something that may come out of a conversation. You know, your right. kids may start asking you about that kind of school safety conversation. And the third point, Tom, be prepared, be ready for yeah. the conversation. So children want to ask questions about death or, or maybe about discussing terrorism. It might be good to be prepared. What would you want them to know? But again, we want to find that, that appropriate and productive means to talk about. We, we want to consider the child and what are they capable of and, and what's the potential outcome if I share too much with them. So we want to give them enough that they understand, but they, they don't 
go into uh, terror themselves or go into an emotional breakdown of fear of what's going to happen here. Right. It's it's a and it can be a delicate line to walk, and you've got to be sure. very aware of your of your child's makeup. The younger they are, the less they can really handle. Exactly. So don't go into grave. Don't don't start rattling off numbers to them. Right. Maybe it's simple enough to say, honey, some bad people did a bad thing. Right. And there are a lot of people that passed away that day. That's true. And you don't want to uh, you don't want to give out your own feelings and and you don't want to get too worked up about your how you feel and and all of a sudden your tone and your attitude is so out of out of line that that in itself can scare your children right it doesn't really matter what you say but how you say it can cause your child to be very upset yes so we want to be careful there the next point that that they bring out here is to answer questions about the attacks with facts I guess, again, you've got to be age-appropriate with how many facts you share. Age-appropriate, I, I definitely agree. Don't try to share all the information you know. Point out, point older children to reliable sources of information so that they can find out. If it's a teachable moment, okay, that that's good. But where does the whole idea of these people doing these things were not anywhere connected with a relationship with Jesus? There was no inside potential guilt feeling or you know fear in them they actually thought they were doing a good thing to just destroy and kill how does that happen right so we want our children to understand that that's where the love of jesus and what does he call us to about relationship building and, and about love for him and and that we really should if we have an uncomfortable feeling in here this probably is something we want to listen to and not do what we might be thinking about doing. Exactly. Yeah. Now, this next thing is, again, to me, is a parenting 101 thing. Acknowledge that we don't have all the answers. That's hard for a guy to do, Tom. <laughs> well, Scott, I've got the answer to that. <laughs> we, we probably don't have them all. No, we don't. But you've seen some of those shirts that indicate that, you know, I, oh, how, how's it going? I used to think I was wrong, but I found out I was mistaken. Yeah. <laughs> Something like that, yeah. Your rival, yeah, those kind of shirts. Right. And, and we don't. So it's, and it's okay to say that. It's okay to say, honey, you know, I don't really know the answer to that. Let's go look it up together. And there you have an opportunity and maybe a teachable moment, and, and you guys just dis- discover it together. Right. That's a good thing. Yeah, and we didn't have that benefit back at 9-11 because most of the information we got was from television. Right. Very little on the internet at the time. True. I have a hunch if that were to happen today, that probably would flip. Be more on the internet. Everybody would be online. Yeah. How do you define in that context of those things going on? What's a reliable source? There's a whole other thing. Yes. And if I really share my feelings about that, we'd lose our license. <laughs> so, so, yeah. That, mm-hmm. Stay tuned to our podcast. When <laughs> <laughs> no, that'll be when we address prayer in schools, which is coming up. Um, okay, so the next thing they suggest is to be specific. Right. It can be easy to make generalizations when discussing terrorism. Avoid talking in broad strokes comparing the suffering of one person to another or assigning blame to an entire group. 
highlight specific stories of the survivors, the victims, or first responders to help humanize the event and avoid stereotypes and simplifications. Well, you know, we stop and think about the highlight, highlighting the survivors or highlighting some of the people. Beam, I think, was his name on one of the planes. The one maybe. Uh, Beamer. Beamer went down in. Um, Pennsylvania, Shanksville. And he, he, he had some phrase that he used. Let's roll. And Became he, a book by his wife. Which he knew. Well, let's roll meant we're headed right to our grave. You know, there's another part of this, Tom, that just as we talked about humanizing this, because in the wake of 9-11, if you were of Middle Eastern descent and you lived in the U.S., you basically went into hiding Mm -hmm. at that point Mm -hmm. because there was out-and-out hatred toward anybody of Middle Eastern descent. And if you happened to wear, especially the girls that wore the the Arab headdresses— Right. And the, the long gowns that the a lot of the Arab, Arab women wore, you were just subjected to all kinds of stuff. Yeah. And we've got to remember and make sure our kids understand that just because you're Arab does not mean you're a terrorist. You know, yeah. And any more than any of the other prejudices that have come up over the years. Right. You know, and maybe that's the one teachable moment you get out of that. Across the board that we love all that everyone was created by our God. And Jesus died for all of us. Amen. Yes. Now, emotions are going to be varied in here, Tom, and I know there are some people that might be yelling at the radio right now, but, Scott, you don't understand. Mm-hmm. And if I had, a, if my dad had died in Iraq or Afghanistan, I understand that emotions may vary. That's true. Yeah, so depending on their age, personality, their nationality, actual or perceived ethnic or religious background, connection to the attacks and the exposure to other past traumatic experiences, be on the lookout for changes in mood, behavior, and habits. Boy, across the board as a parent, those are really important things. Also, appetite and sleep patterns that that are changing because that's a significant um, warning signal that something's not right with your child regardless of their age. So there's no right or wrong emotional response to fear or anxiety. But if your child distresses or is persistent, severe, or interfering, as an example, in daily functioning, let's talk with the pediatrician or other health care or mental health provider so that we take care of them. And that's probably the key thing is if you see changes I know the same thing goes on as we're going to talk about bullying in a couple of weeks. Right. Some of these same things are going to ha- are you'll see similarities here if if behavior changes. Right. Things they used to care about they don't care about all of a sudden. Right. They stop eating. Right. They're claim they're claiming tummy aches all the time or mm-hmm. headaches. Mm-hmm. It's time to get them in to see you or or another professional. Right. I like to look at it as. Uh, w- w- a metaphor. Let's define a metaphor. There's a surface meaning in a metaphor, and there's an underlying meaning. The surface meaning is they may not be sleeping, they not, may not be eating, their their regular habits may not be the same. So when those are going on, we want to search for the underlying meaning, because that's what's going to help save our children. And I, I think that's probably a good place as any to wrap it, Tom, it, and just to remind you as you're listening today that, you know, if you see changes in your kids, right, 
or maybe if you are experiencing a change yourself, mm-hmm. mom, dad, uh, sitting down with a Christian counselor can be helpful to find out why. Exactly. That's the key is to find out the why and then deal with that mm-hmm. and let the rest of it, you know, you and the Lord work that out. And That's that'll, true. That'll work through. How can I get a hold of Tom to start a conversation? Well, Scott, I can be reached at heritagechristiancounselingministries.com. 